Hello and welcome to Popcorn Optional, a movie podcast where we talk about all things movies. And uh, guess what, y'all? It's Comic-Con week, and so there is so much stuff to talk about. Uh, I am your host for this week. Cameron is out, and my name is Jake Brown, and I am joined by my co-host, Trevor Allison. Um, Yeah, uh, Cameron was kicked off the podcast this week because he wanted to do a Who Wore It Best at Comic-Con, and we're like, Cam doesn't work for a podcast medium yeah we we took a vote and cameron is gone uh because of his fashion taste never thought i would say that one so So. (laughs) maybe we'll let him back next week who knows maybe we'll we'll take a secondary vote the council of the popcorn will reunite next week he would he would love if we voted on this by saying his name into a camera while unfolding a piece of paper Yes. He also, this is very much like leaning into his love for Survivor. So, Cameron, you got to win that challenge to get immunity, buddy. You got to step <laughs> it up. Ooh, okay, dang. well, enough talking about uh, kicking our friend off of the show that he's the host of. Uh, like I said, it is Comic-Con week, y'all. And Comic-Con week brings a lot of trailers and a lot of news. I feel like it wasn't as much this year as it was the like the past years because... Um, now that Disney owns all of the things and Disney has its own big expo and like Star Wars has its own big, big expo now, um, we're not getting as many like huge drops as we were in the past, but still we got some exciting stuff coming out. Uh, first one is we finally got a trailer for Aquaman. Trevor, what are your, what are your thoughts based on this trailer? So Amber Heard's hair is so red that it's the only thing I could see in the trailer. It's quite red. It was, I mean, I, I say that like it's like her fault. I, I don't blame Amber Heard for this. Um, but there's something weird going on there. The problem with Jason Momoa as Aquaman is you can't give him his own movie because he can't act. Yeah, he is not a good actor. He's I, like, he's I've totally never fine. Seen him do anything good. Right. He's totally fine in Justice League. He works in Justice League because he's just like the bro fisherman who kind of just beats people up for for fun. So it it works in that. But I don't I don't understand. Where is this going to fall chronologically? Is it before Justice League? It seems weird to be before Justice League because it seems like it has big stakes. But also it seems weird to be after Justice League because if the stakes are so big, why is it just Aquaman? Why isn't yeah. he calling the Justice League? He, it, he is a caricature. And like that's that's what he is good at playing is a archetype, a caricature. Um he's interesting looking. And I think that is the most uh of his talent that we've seen so far. And and this trailer doesn't really give us anything beyond that. Um I, I feel like based on this trailer I'm worried about the plot. It feels too big. I, like this yeah. should be the Thor of the DC universe. Uh, and like, yeah. it has the exact same idea of like fighting your brother for the throne. That's a really interesting, like small world thing it that should, you could play it, with. It should take place entirely at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. Or it like should never come above the water in the Atlantis, like story realm. Right. Like, right. Atlantis shouldn't be declaring war on the surface world if we don't even know anything about Atlantis. I don't know. Like this doesn't 
What made Wonder Woman yep. so special was it was its own contained world, and I don't think we're going to get that here. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't feel great about it. Yeah, I uh, I completely agree. I'm... Yeah, it looks it looks pretty bad. It looks it looks like the superhero movies from like the pre Christopher Nolan Batman Marvel Cinematic Universe era. Yeah. And I'm I'm frustrated that it seems to be once again that we are getting two giant CGI armies clashing, which is basically what we got in Justice League. <laughs> but uh moving on, we had another DC trailer drop this week and this one feels different and it is uh it's shazam um did you see the shazam trailer i i did it seems like the tone of this is weird i like Um, it i I think i I dig it i think it could be fun and good it does seem like it has small stakes i don't have very much um, experience with shazam he's probably one of the lesser or at least for me one of the bigger comic book characters that i have the least experience with same um it looks interesting i'm not sure how it's gonna fit in with the rest of the dc universe but it doesn't really matter at this point because the thing is such a mess um (laughs) zach levi sure i guess who is Um, he (laughs) that's my question like did, did I mean he had to have put on like forty pounds for this role, like right? Like remember Chuck? I mean it's the same guy. No. So, yeah. Seriously? Yeah, Zachary Levi. He's I also did not recognize him yeah. at all. He also Kudos. has a bit part in the Thor movies. He's one of the Warriors Three. Wow, way to go, Zachary! You know, yeah, just doing your thing. So Didn't even know who you were. And that's an you're Shazam. An interesting casting choice. I, I do kind of want to speak these two together. DC went an interesting way on the directors of these by hiring two really successful horror directors for to 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 do Aquaman and James Wan and Shazam and I can't remember who he is. Um, but another director with a lot of horror experience. So I don't know what that means, but that's weird. Yeah, it is weird. Um, a lot of DC is weird, you know? And and uh, we'll end our DC talk. <laughs> hey what would what would people think? So DC is coming out with their own streaming service because we don't have enough of those in the world. Um, and it's going to have the DC shows, you know, the critically acclaimed Flash and Arrow and all that stuff, um, as well as some of their, their comics and maybe a few movies. But it's also going to be where the series Titans launches. And this is the modern, gritty take on Teen Titans. And this, this is really weird. Because it's, Robin literally says, F Batman. But he, like, says it. I can't say it because we're a podcast. Yeah, there's a, there's a mature audience warning on the trailer before you watch it. So and it's, the show's called well, it's not called Teen Titans, but, but it it's is about the Teen, the Titans. teen Titans. It's got now, Raven and Beast Boy. Now I I'm not a fan of the Teen Titans Go. I feel like that's way too kitty of a version of Teen Titans. But the Teen Titans that was on like I don't know where it was WB or whatever. Like, I think it was Cartoon Network back in the, like back in the, the day. original Eight, Teen yeah, Titans animated 10, series. 12 years ago, yeah, was like dark, but also like family friendly in a way 
This is not that at all. This is like, it's like someone wanted to make Teen Titans in the Nolan Batman universe, but it ended up on Freeform (laughs) slash ABC Family. And it somehow got past the censor at Freeform. Right. It's just. Yeah. It feels cheap. You can't, you can't try to pitch your show to fans by saying F Batman, the most popular comic book character of all time. That's yeah, just really not, weird. that's, that's not a way to get, at least I'm speaking for myself, I guess, not a way to get me interested in your show. Yeah. I don't know, man. It'll be interesting. Um, unfortunately, I'm not going to see it because I'm not going <laughs> to subscribe to the DC streaming network. What, so. what will, what, what will get me on the DC streaming is if they pull Batman, the animated series from, from Amazon before yeah. I finish it. Yeah, my that, my like eighth rewatch. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a that would be a that would be a draw. Or if it had like a lot of really interesting behind the scenes stuff from the Nolan saga or something, I'd, right? I'd but it's also it also is combined with online access to actual comic books, right? I isn't that part of so? the business model? I believe so, but I don't know what the model is for that, right? And, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know if we're gonna see like. Like, is it going to have Watchmen in there or the long know. Halloween, you know, like the, the like Pantheon things, or is it just going to have like standard run of the mill issues of everything? So that's, that's kind of an interesting thing to see as well. Yeah, we will, we will find out soon. Um, we'll finish up with a few quick trailer talks here. Uh, the trailer for the new Fantastic Beasts came out. Um, any, any thoughts on this, Trevor? I mean... Yeah, it looks it looks like a lot of fun. It looks like more Harry Potter. I think yeah. that I think that Eddie Redmayne is great. I think that Jude Law as a young Dumbledore is solid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that Johnny Depp, that Grindelwald may be the best kind of character for him to play at this point in his career. Agreed. Um, so I think that this is solid. I think that. Um, David Yates has a great feel for the look of the Harry Potter world. Um, so, so yeah, keep these rolling out. I don't know why you had to call it fantastic beasts colon the crimes of Grindelwald. You could have just called it <laughs> crimes of Grindelwald. And I mean, the Harry Potter people are going to find this. Okay. It's not, yeah. <laughs> it's not like it's going to slip through the cracks. Uh. <laughs> There's no reason to call every Newt Scamander movie Fantastic Beast, especially when this one seems to have very little to do with the animals. And the first one wasn't even that good. So, yeah, it was fine. It was fun. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't Harry Potter quality. Right. So uh, did you see the Godzilla King of Monsters trailer, Trevor? I did, and I, I did not. I, I, this is like the sequel to the Gareth Edwards Godzilla, right? Is that yes? And it okay. is, I believe, like the beginning or the uh, the next film in the monster universe that is right. being created with King okay. Kong Skull Island and Godzilla okay. being the first two in that series. I mean, it's pretty obvious where this is going. <laughs> um, so yeah, this, this actually looks pretty good. It looks like it's going to be really pretty. Um, yeah. 
I did not see the Gareth Edwards Godzilla, um, so I, I can't speak to too much of that. But I think this looks pretty good. It's an interesting concept for the monster movie. The idea that these hidden beasts exist is the kind of cleanup system for the Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that this could be an interesting an interesting thing. Yeah, this uh, it, I agree. It looks cool. It looks pretty. The trailer for me in terms of like plot and story feels weird. Like I, I don't, I don't see a lot of what is happening here, which I guess is good, but also nothing really got me excited about the story. Um, but the visuals and the action look pretty freaking crazy. So I'm down. Um, and I, I loved Kong skull Island. So if if this is a, a step further in that direction, Big thumbs up. Really excited. Uh, last one really quick is, uh, well, we'll just knock off these three really quick. Uh, trailer for Glass came out, the M. Night Shyamalan follow-up to Unbreakable and Split. It looks really, really interesting. I personally haven't seen Unbreakable or Split yet, uh, but they are on my list to watch, especially after watching this trailer. Um, M Night Shyamalan has like low key been making a very interesting superhero universe, so uh, <laughs> check those out. I guess so. Yeah, let's. My favorite thing about this is that there's a there's a Shyamalan verse now. Yeah, and I hope that someone out there, some enterprising soul, gives me ten thousand words on the unified theory of Shyamalan and ties <laughs> all of the films together. So, if you want to make that a, a blog post or something for the website. Please go ahead, Trevor. We will start a blog section. Oh, oh heck no! I'm not rewatching. <laughs> I'm not rewatching Lady in the Water. Uh, no, uh, we wouldn't make you do that. We, you could just read the Wikipedia, <laughs> or really the Sixth Sense, which is way overrated. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a conversation for another friend. Um, <laughs> uh, lastly, Star Wars Clone Wars is coming back. I haven't seen any of the Star Wars Clone Wars, so Trevor, the floor is yours. I mean, Star Wars Clone Wars, fantastic television show. I'm watching it in, on Netflix right now. I'm in season four, so I avoided this trailer for any spoilers. Um, but from what I tell, it looks like it's going to be maybe Ahsoka Tano heavy, which is great because Ahsoka was a fantastic character addition to the Clone Wars. And Jake, you've got to watch the Clone Wars. It's on Netflix. It's fantastic. I'll, I'll get to it. I have a lot. Well, I can't say a lot more free time, but I have more control over my time. So I will take go. a look at that series. Um, it's, and it's then solid. finally, uh, walking dead season nine, does anybody care anymore? Like this that's, show. Okay. Golly. When you sent this, when you sent this over to me in our show notes today, I thought that show's still on, right? Like interesting. This show season one, incredible season two, incredible season three. Oh, okay. Like we'll see what's going on. Season four. I think I'm going to stop watching this show now. And it is now season nine. (laughs) If you had talked to me around season five, I'll be like, oh yeah, when it finishes in a a year or so, I'll I'll just catch the whole thing. I haven't seen any of it. I'll watch it all. But now season nine, no way. It's it's cumbersome. I can't go back to that. I can't watch nine seasons of something. And it's so heavy. Like it's so dark. And ah man, this show, I feel like I haven't read the comics, but I feel like this show has, uh, really just taking its viewers through it. And uh, uh, someone told me that they had a friend recently say while they were watching like season seven of Walking Dead, they just had a realization. They were like, I'm a 37-year-old man. 
I can stop watching this show if I want to. And he just turned it off and never watched it again. (laughs) And uh, I think that's how a lot of people feel. They're just like, I'm just getting dragged through it to finish it. But you guys, you don't have to do that. Just turn it off and walk away. That's all I have to say. Um, And finally, they're rebooting Buffy for some reason. So Comic-Con happened. (laughs) Um, And then last little bit of news that I think is worth talking about is uh, James Gunn was fired from directing Guardians of the Galaxy 3 uh, for some old provocative humor tweets that he had in the past. And then also Dan Harmon has deleted his Twitter account amidst controversial sketch videos that uh, were out about 10 years ago as they've resurfaced on the internet. And um, this is kind of like the, I don't know, this is just like another chapter in the social media uh, backlash chapter or book of our society right now. And I think it's something that uh, we needed to talk about and we're not going to solve the issue right now, but like what, what do you think is causing all of this Trevor do you think these these are justified firings like why what is happening I mean it's it's sort of a weird thing um I think I think that to say any of these things are justified or not I think have to be reviewed on a case-by-case basis Mm -hmm. um because there's so many different ways to communicate and to try to say something and, and the intent behind things can be very different. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently with the James Gunn thing, Disney knew about these tweets, but he only got fired because all of, because everyone else found out about it. Um, which is strange. Uh, I, f- I find it strange that I, I, that Gunn himself has said that, that that was kind of a different stage in his life of who he was, that he was trying to be funny and do comedy that way. And it didn't end up working for him, obviously, because it's not really funny. Um, but I, but I find given this particular situation, I find this firing a little bit thin and odd. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, what's weird is like, he said this stuff, almost a decade ago, same with Dan Harmon. And like a decade ago, I was probably saying really stupid stuff to my friends. Oh my gosh. I didn't have Twitter. And so like what's weird is he realized his mistake. He stopped acting that way and self-corrected and like has changed as a person. Isn't that like what we want? him to do this was a decade ago and we're going to punish him for like correcting away from that i i don't know i just find it weird that there is very little like grace and mercy especially if it's like comedy is provocative and and i i think that there's this weird thin thin line um or this almost like unseen line of how far is too far because that's that's the part of that's like one of the biggest things about comedy is like pushing the boundaries and seeing how far you can go and how you can twist dark things into a humorous manner um and so it 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 really sits with me weirdly in these situations where uh especially i mean i i personally 
am a Christian and believe in grace and mercy. And if, if someone is uh, truly repenting of their past, especially something that they did 10 years ago and have changed as a person, uh, I think that it we need to look past someone's past. I find it, like I said, just the length of time that's passed and how this behavior did not continue is what makes the whole thing strange for me. Yeah, um, and what w- the other like weird flip side of it is that there's speculation that these are politically motivated. Um, like some prominent alt-right figures are the ones that are digging these up from the uh, past of the quote Hollywood liberal elites. Um, and this started after the Roseanne firing at ABC. And so this just feels like a weird tit for tat situation. Um, like see these people are bad too. And, like uh, yeah we're all bad the difference is roseanne was currently calling someone who worked in the obama administration a monkey like and is an african-american it is currently happening and attacking an individual not a like joke that crossed the line exactly i think yeah i think that's why i said i think these things do need to be reviewed on a case-by-case basis i don't think there's a way to overarchingly say like this the when people say things 10 years ago they shouldn't be punished for them yeah um because there are definitely lots of things that can be said but the roseanne thing i i think the the issue there was that it was an incredibly specific and personal attack i don't yeah it's not necessarily like currently I, she, ongoing right i think that you can probably get away with that language if it's in a impersonal kind of ambiguous kind of way mm-hmm. um not that it's like appropriate or funny just like with the james gunn things those aren't appropriate or funny um but but when it's when it's a specific human that you're targeting i think that's there's no reason for that ever yeah i i agree this is a weird time in our society right now um just with like the political climate that we have the hyper political correctness on both sides that are prejudiced towards their own beliefs um, and social media, which is basically a digital archive of everyone's mistakes. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future with stuff like this. Um, And it'll be interesting to see what happens with James Gunn and, and Dan Harmon. Those are two really talented, really prolific uh, creators and filmmakers and um, that doesn't excuse their behavior, but it, it'll just be interesting to see what happens with their careers after this. I also, I think there might be a good chance that guardians three gets canceled, which it probably shouldn't be happening anyways. Right. Even though like for money purposes, it's going to happen, which like understandable Disney prints money. Um, good for them. But yeah, guardians two was not great. Yeah, and I just don't yeah, I, I don't think that anyone else can make those movies the way that James Gunn did. I agree. Like he so. he's his soul is so in those movies. Um so so yeah. It'll be really interesting to see what happens in the future with that. But uh let's go ahead and get to our review of the week. Um it was a, a slow week at the movies. Um and by slow I just mean Nothing really interested us, and we do this 
uh, out of our own pocket and out of our own time. So we get to see the movies we want to see. Well, the big problem here is A24. I know you're listening. Why isn't eighth grade wide? Yeah. Why isn't it everywhere? I agree. I. What drives me nuts is like, I understand that like you live in Waco, which is a smaller market. I live sure. in Dallas, Fort Worth. Sure. It's like the third biggest yeah. media market playing, in the nation. It's, it's playing in one theater in Dallas, Fort Worth right now. Yeah. And A24 is a bigger studio than they kind of let on to be. Yes. And so. Well, that's that, because they make a ton of money on everything they produce. Yeah. Which like they're running a really smart business, which like good for them. But I also just really want to see your freaking movies. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> So we were going to do eighth grade, but it wasn't in wide enough release for us to do that because we live in Texas. And so uh, we were kind of looking at, well, what came out uh, 20 years ago, 30 years ago? And uh, we found out that Die Hard came out almost 30 years ago. And uh, I had never seen Die Hard. That I'm opening up. I, I'm embarrassed by that fact. Never seen it. Um <laughs> So yeah, we're we're gonna review Die Hard this week because uh, Skyscraper comes out or has come out soon, and it is supposedly very much like Die Hard. And Die Hard has influenced all action movies as we know them. So <laughs> let's do Die Hard, man. Yeah, and say I I will add on that I have seen it, but it's been I don't know ten fifteen years since I've really kind of watched the whole thing. So this was mm-hmm. almost a new experience for me as well. That's awesome. Well, quick quick plot synopsis. Um, off-duty New York City Police Department officer John McClane is caught in a Los Angeles skyscraper during a Christmas Eve heist led by Hans Gruber. It was made by twenty-eight. But it was made for twenty-eight million dollars, and uh, Die Hard grossed over a hundred and forty million theatrically worldwide. So I would say it was a hit. And uh, the film this this is what turned Bruce Willis into an action star. Uh, and it basically became the playbook for action films uh, for years to come and even today. So first question, is it a Christmas movie? <laughs> We're not even going to do general thoughts. We're just jumping into the questions. This is um, the most important question, Trevor. So I, I, I really, I honestly kind of wanted to frame my viewing by thinking about that the whole time. So, because I know that's one of our, our great cultural debates. Okay. Um, you know, we, we debate about whether a hot dog is a sandwich or (laughs) whether, I don't know, but you know, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? We will end our review with that question. So let's go to, to general thoughts. So, okay. Um, this is the original of the species. It's freaking Die Hard. It's it's the blueprint for the modern action movie. Yeah. Every everything in this genre that has come since this owes this a debt in some way. Um it's it's a true blockbuster from the sense of walking into a theater and just yelling entertain me now at the screen and it does that. <laughs> That's exactly what this movie does. Um Yeah. It's a classic for so many reasons. I will say Bruce Willis's comedic abilities are one of the big things that make this work. And the other two things that make this work are him not having shoes on and 
the amazing, incomparable Alan Rickman. Yeah. I had never seen Die Hard, like I said. And so I will I will admit that I think hype kind of got in the way of me seeing this. When something becomes such a part of culture uh, and you haven't seen it, yeah, and it is you're like scared to see it. Yeah, and it's like constantly referenced in every movie and show. It's referenced in The Office multiple times. It's referenced in Parks and Rec. It's referenced in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I mean, like every film now is like the diehard of this. It's like speed is like the diehard on a bus, you know, and like cliffhanger is diehard on a cliff. Snakes on a plane is <laughs> diehard on a plane with snakes. Like <laughs> that's what all of those, those things are now. Um, and so I will say like, I came in with really, really high expectations. And while I don't think that like some of those expectations were met because they were unrealistic or like, misconstrued expectations i really really enjoyed this movie and i totally see like why it hit the culture so hard as it did um it's just so fun like it's so it's so brutal but it's so fun in how brutal it is and i 100 percent agree that like anyone else besides bruce willis this is a totally different movie his his delivery his persona, the way he plays John McClane as a character um, is just so perfect. In fact, Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, Sylvester Stallone and many other people uh, were up for the role and turned down Die Hard. And like, can you imagine how different those movies would be or this, how it's, different this movie would be with those, with those actors? It's just another one of their movies exactly. with, with those guys. But yeah, that's, the, that's why I think Die Hard is like so... Um, just it, it stands the test of time because John McClane is a real human being. He's not like a, a, a cyborg or a Greek god yeah. or like a machine like Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger are. Like in The Predator, Arnold Schwarzenegger is like the peak human, like number one human <laughs> in the world, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger. Bruce Willis in this is just like a Joe Schmo who He's just, just, like, scr- the- just scraps and crawls his way. And the whole time he's like mad he has to do all of this. Mm-hmm. He's just like he's just like pissed that these guys messed up his evening. Yeah, and I that's like what sells the whole thing. I think is just this attitude where he's like everything that happens. He's like, oh man, like this again. <laughs> yeah, the the reluctant but competent hero yeah. is a is a fun fun character for him to play and a fun world for us to be in. Um, so. Another little surprise that I found out, this was Alan Rickman's first movie. I know. I just read that today as well. That is, I mean, he was, he's a theater guy, but that's insane. He commands this movie. This is like, Bruce Willis is fantastic in this, but like anytime Alan Rickman is on screen, it is his movie. He, he, the best part of his performance is the pauses that he takes. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. he just, he just like every word just like hits you like a freight train because of the, the way that his vocal cadence delivers his lines. Yeah. It's and just, yeah, he's, it's Alan Rickman, man. This, this is like why he's the perfect Snape, why he is just, He's Alan Rickman, and and we lost a legend, and uh, 
it, it's really sad that he's gone, but this will stand as I think one of his great performances and one of the best villains of an action movie of all time. Oh my goodness. Yeah. A, a villain who is, who is clever and intelligent and calm calculated has the plan sticks to the plan it's it really it it almost if if it had been anyone else but bruce willis i think that he would totally have dominated the movie that you'd almost start rooting for hans gruber (laughs) yeah that's uh that's true the the contrast between hans gruber's character or hans gruber and played by alan rickman and john mcclain with played by uh bruce willis the the two takes on those two characters create this really good, um, just like immovable object, unstoppable force situation uh-huh. that really, really works. Um, it, it feels almost like Batman versus Joker level of like these two things that were just like meant to meet because they are so opposite of each other. Um, uh-huh. Hans Gruber is so calculated, so commanding, so in charge. John McClane is like so chaotic, so adapt and like survive and uh-huh. uh and both work. And that's what's that's what's fun is you you don't really know what's going to happen and when. Right. Yeah. The uh let's talk about the other characters in this movie. <laughs> um the the weird thing about this is like Every character in this movie is a classic. So, yeah, there are... I do want to frame my character comments with, this movie is great as a whole, but there are some parts of it that are really awful. (laughs) This is... And the script is like that, too. This script... I mean, we can talk about quotes in a few minutes, but this script has some amazing lines and some just, like, garbage predictable lines. I mean... Um, it was the eighties. Like right? it's, it, it's excusable to a point. So, so the worst character in this film is Dwayne Robinson or whatever his name is. The associate chief of police who is just <laughs> like, who is just like a total like eighties cop stereotype and complete yeah. idiot. Yeah. Just- <laughs> he was, uh, I agree. I think that was my least favorite character because it was so almost like, over it was underwritten and overperformed <laughs> right by paul gleason the the teacher from the breakfast club yeah which like that's his permanent role basically is like <laughs> right the, the douchebag <laughs> he plays it great um but yeah and this like the lines are so like just so two-dimensional and he's trying <laughs> to put so much behind them and it's like no you can't you can't say that with that much emotion. Like you can't do that. He's also so stationary. It's like every appearance he has is cut to standing yeah. behind cop car on radio. That's <laughs> like all moves. he does. Never moves in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, um, what do you think about Argyle? Okay. Argyle is the, especially, Okay. It, they almost structure the Argyle character such that in case Bruce Willis isn't funny, the Argyle bits definitely are. Yeah. And it's structured. The timing is perfect 
um, for just that little bit of relief from the tension of everything else where they cut to him and he's like on the phone with his girl. They cut to him and he's like in the back seat drinking some whiskey. Mm-hmm. And then he's just like slowly f- trying to figure out what the heck is going on. I love the character. I love how they did all that. I loved how sparingly he was used. Like, I feel like um, in a modern take on Die Hard, please, please, dear God, let them not remake this movie. Oh, my God. Um, right. He would have been in the building in a, in yeah. a more modern version. Yeah. Or, or, or like after every action scene, we would have been cutting back to Argyle. What? What? Like Tom Foolery is Argyle getting into, you know, like. He was used so sparingly in the middle of action scenes, like which is just perfect. Um, uh, what it, really it was fantastic. What really ties the character together is how he busts through the gate and like picks up John McClane and Holly McClane at the end of the movie and just drives off. Yeah, it's like that is that is so ridiculous, but so perfect. Yeah, I mean, let me just say real quick. By the way, we're gonna spoil this movie because. Oh, yeah. Sorry, it's 30 Oops. years old and also I mean like even though I hadn't seen it and it's 30 years old it's so like iconic I basically knew what was going to happen so um, I mean there's four sequels John McClane wins in the end yeah so I just that's all you need to know we're going to spoil this if you for some reason have made it this far and don't want to hear anymore uh, bye okay um, Die Hard continued um what did you think about uh, Reginald Vell Johnson's performance as Sergeant <laughs> Al? I th- I thought he was also great. Um, yeah. I think that he just kind of nails the the stereotypical cop character, like desk duty, expecting dad, donuts, trying to do the best he can. <laughs> the I the very. The worst thing in this whole movie to me that could have been cut out completely is his, I guess, quote unquote, redemption scene of saving everyone from Carl when he finally can pull his gun and can shoot someone. I didn't need that at all. It felt really weird and forced. Um, Yeah, I, I agree. I think that that was unnecessary. I do appreciate like. Like that was a part of the story, like they addressed that like police violence is a thing and that like action like it's not all like action and cool it's like there are consequences like i appreciate that this film unlike any other action film surrounding police officers actually addressed that um and so that that was cool but yeah the redemption at the end while you know i'll be honest i was like smiling and i was like yeah ow got him (laughs) um but yeah, I I agree. I I don't think it was one hundred percent necessary. It doesn't it doesn't do much to the like the ending. It doesn't make it any better. It just kind right. of like oh cool, we tied up that storyline, and um now they're driving right. off of this terrorist like location. They they for some reason still haven't locked down the roads. <laughs> uh, that was like. When they got in the car and drove off, I was like, "Okay, everything in this movie was fine until then." You, that's on. Un, that's unrealistic. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure. I mean, we can uh, imagine, but how in the heck is Carl getting out of suspended from a chain by his neck, fifteen feet off the ground? The explosion. Sure. Okay. And for some reason, he's not dead. 
after hanging from his neck for 20 minutes, getting exploded, and falling 30 stories. Dude's still alive and still has a vengeance. And for some reason, in a film full of implausible things, that was the one that just was a bridge too far for me, was that whole little sequence. Yeah. Um, Well, like... Let's talk about the rest of the movie as a whole. How does it work on for you in terms of like believability? Uh, I think it's pretty solid. Um, it's a pretty clever, well thought out plan, well prepared, especially um, if you can be on the front edge of technology in 1988, you can probably figure out your way to how to do a few things um, that most <laughs> regular people can't. Mm-hmm. Um. I think it's I think it's all fairly plausible. I think it's odd that the building is completely empty except for the one crew, but it's Christmas Eve, so I could be talked into that, I guess. Yeah. Um the 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 mostly implausible things is just a few of the characters here and there and in their actions. Like I said, like Deputy Chief Robinson, the two FBI guys are like pretty standard until they get in the helicopter and it turns out they're insane. <laughs> like just like Saigon, like what the heck? Where did that come from? Yeah, I feel like that might have been like a an 80s moment, like a specific like maybe the FBI was kind of crazy in the 80s cuz a lot of guys from Saigon were in the FBI, I don't know. That, right. And, and I that think was weird. It's almost like, well, we're going to kill these FBI guys, so we have to make them seem like jerks and since we're going to kill the feds, you know, like we can't we can't be having these good guys just get blown up. Yeah. The I think for me overall like the stakes were small enough to be believable and also like John McClane barely makes it out of every interaction, which is right. <laughs> um like weirdly um what's the word I'm looking for? Refreshing. <laughs> uh, yeah. to to be like, oh wow, cool. Like he like took some wounds on that one or uh barely made it out of that alive, like out of out of luck. Like he is a good fighter and he's talented, but um he also got super lucky on that one. Yeah, I agree. So is this a high stakes film or a low stakes film? And like, why does that help or hurt it for you? Um, I think it's ultimately pretty low stakes. I mean, we have kind of the terrorism angle, except that they're not actually terrorists, which is which is a, a fairly interesting and clever kind of plot device that's going on there. Um But but yeah, it's it's mostly low stakes. We've got these people, we've got this all this money at stake, but I don't care about that um, <laughs> as a viewer, you know, especially yeah. the, from the Nakatomi corporation. I don't, that doesn't bother me at all. Um, but it comes down to this, the humanity of John McClane trying to save these 30 people. Um, so I, I think it's ultimately a pretty low stakes film. I think it all works because it's self-contained into one building and one night. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, this this level of action and intensity doesn't work spread out over a long stretch in some ways um so yeah i think i mean really ultimately there's not a ton of story here yeah there's just a lot of action it it almost unfolds in real time yeah which is a which is a really cool way to do this i think yeah it it, it is like almost an episode of like 24 like it is very much happening in real time you're getting 
the the breathing moments that's one thing i think that this film does a really good job of is giving you those breathing like humanity moments that something like i don't know like transformers doesn't do that it's all just like action 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 cgi explosions this is like action Ooh, he barely made it let's find out more about his relationship with his wife you know like right um it, it humanizes him without doing a ridiculous amount of like exposition within like 10 minutes we are in it with this movie but we're uh-huh. also like in it with the character and right. so and the 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 way they use him getting a radio and talking to everyone i think is really key to everything working yeah like him having contact with hans gruber for most of the movie like adds to the levity of the whole of their kind of standoff yeah absolutely so why do you think this movie has become like such a cultural touchstone? Like, why do you think that this is the iconic action movie? Especially I mean, like when it came out in a time of aliens, predator, like all of these other iconic action movies. Why, why does die hard seem to like stand alone? I think there's a there's a few things. I think that it it's a a little more clever in its story than a lot of those other films. Um, but I think the character of John McClane and the way Bruce Willis portrays him and the way the action occurs is every. I mean, I say like every maybe like arrogant white male watches this and thinks I could maybe pull this off <laughs> if I had to. Yeah. You know, like he's he's smart and he's clever and he's scrappy and he gets himself into situations where he almost always has the advantage. And I think that's what it is. I think that, that John McTiernan really kind of brings you into the film as John McClane. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference between this and a lot of those other action movies. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think um, the... The action in this movie is also like really easy to follow and really well done and choreographed and thought out. Like it, it's how it would happen in real life or a a um, hyper version of of real life. A uh-huh. you know, um, in real life he'd be dead. You know, so that that there's that <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But yeah, it, it's always it's like every every single event on its own is plausible. Yeah, and he and he's clearly like he's smart and he's making the right decisions. You know, uh-huh. I think that's Cameron always says like smart people making smart decisions and bad things happen to them. That's very much seems to be what happens here in this movie. Right. Um, also just like the, the jokes and the one liners are so iconic and so funny that I've, I've got a machine gun now. Ho, ho, ho stuff like uh-huh. that. Yippee Kaye. I mean, it's just like, so good come out to the ghost we'll have a few laughs you know like um the way he delivers that in the ac event is just perfect you know it's just perfect yeah and i think uh, going along with that the the stunts in this a lot of them are they're kind of ridiculous but they're on the the just that edge of plausible like using the fire hose to jump off the top of the building like you know that's possible you could probably pull that off yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Or like using the computer monitor to weigh down the C4 to drop down the elevator shaft. Like you could sure. do that. Why not? Um, you know, the 
taping a gun to your back. Why the heck not? You know, who, <laughs> what a genius idea. Um, so I, I think that that's another thing that, that brings it in is those, I mean, I, I, I think the mission impossible movies are a lot of fun, but you know, when Ethan hunt, just like when the sand blows away and there's a gun there and he kicks it and it jumps up to his hand, like, how does that happen? <laughs> you know? Yeah. But there's never, I mean, there's moments in this where it's like, oh yeah, 95 times out of a hundred, he would have died doing that. But you can kind of, you can see a way that it hap- could happen. Yeah. I think that's, that's really what it comes down to. It also, I don't know. I think this was, I'm, I'm speaking out of assumption here and not out of, out of knowledge, but I think this is really like one of the first big iconic action police officer movies. Is that, does that sound right? Or am yeah, I just talking I mean, there out was, my butt? There was Dirty Harry in the 70s. Those were kind of like gritty, small-time detective things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think as far as I can think of, yeah, usually our, our action movies to this point are mostly commandos and or spies. Yeah. I just... I th- I think of like Brooklyn Nine Nine and like how obsessed uh, Jake Peralta is with Die Hard. Um, there's even an episode where he goes to the building while in L.A. and in every room he's like, "This is where this happened. Take a p- take my picture." Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just so funny and like it's referenced in The Office multiple times, like I said before, and. Um, it's just like weirdly stood the test of time, but at the same time, like it totally deserves it. It, It's a fantastic movie. So uh, Trevor, any other thoughts? Um, I, I was hurt. I was hating on Dwayne Robinson, the character, but he did have two of my favorite quotes. Um, When the helicopter explodes and he says, we're going to need some more FBI guys, I guess (laughs) I was, I was cracking up pretty good on that one. And then the uh, when Hans Gruber falls off the building and he says, I hope that's not a hostage. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah. there's a there's a there's a like like I said, this script is bizarre and then mm-hmm. it's creative. There are some hilarious quotes, some some iconic quotes. And then there are other times I found myself five or six times like actively predicting word for word the next line someone would would say <laughs> so is it a good script i don't know is it is it awesome yes um i also i do want to talk just a quick second so some of the some of the cinematography is like really bad right yeah um like some of the some of the angles going dutch angles on things especially on staircases i was like which way do i turn my head to watch this <laughs> And are are there a few shots where the people are kind of stretched, like they adapted it for widescreen or something? Perhaps. Um. I yeah. I definitely noticed that. Like overall, the cinematography was fine. I I'll give them a pass. You know, it was it was the eighties. They were shooting on film. It's really hard to do dark night style gun stuff. Um. Because you you can't see what it's going to look like. You're doing it all with a light meter, which in itself is an art. Um, so 
yeah, some of the scenes were not great, but it never was to a point where it was like, this is distractingly terrible. Right. Right. I, yeah, I agree. Um, cool. Any, any last thoughts? Um, I don't know that. I think that's, I think that's pretty much it. What about you? That's it, man. Let's just go to our, our ratings. All right. I'm going to give this 37 out of 40 stories of Nakatomi Plaza. Nice. Um, it's just a solid a, a minus somewhere in there. Just like I said, it's, it's, it's the modern action movie. It's everything that's come since it owes a great debt to it in some way, shape or form, um, from mission impossible to James Bond to anything Dwayne, the rock Johnson is in to judge dread the raid. I mean, it's all, it all owes something to die. hard. Yeah. Um, I 100%. 100% agree with everything you just said. Um, there's not much more to add just besides the fact that it's it's Die Hard and uh, it's Die Hard for a reason. So um, <laughs> I'm going to give it an A. I mean, I have some minor minor problems with it, but I mean, it's it's a cheesy 80s action movie. So of course there's problems, but it's, like I said before, <laughs> it's Die Hard. So um, yeah, I, I was, as a first time viewer, I, I really liked it. And don't judge me for not seeing all these movies. I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of movies growing up, so just deal with it. <laughs> um, so cool. That was our review of Die Hard. Let's go ahead. Wait, we have to. Oh, we have one more thing we right. have to talk I'm about. I'm so sorry, Jake. I'm sorry. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Uh, I was thinking about this. Is it a Christmas movie? You know, it takes place at Christmas. <laughs> and I think that's uh-huh. kind of it. I mean, we've got the the score is a little Christmassy at times. Yeah, it is. I, I noticed that. Um, the decor. I here's here's what's keeping me from a firm yes. The I have a machine gun now. Ho 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 was a step in the right direction, but I needed a little bit more Christmas referencing from the characters. Yeah, I think for me... I needed, like, John McClane throwing a Christmas tree at someone, (laughs) you know, something like that. Yeah. I think it's just the fact that, like, it has nothing to do with Christmas, and Christmas has nothing to do with the story, just besides the fact that it's happening at Christmas. Right. It didn't... And it came out in the summertime. (laughs) Um, Having it set at Christmas is just... Is just weird. I don't understand why you make that choice. Yeah. Um but it's more of a Christmas movie than like The Family Stone, which also takes place at Christmas but owes nothing to Christmas whatsoever. Yeah. Um I was trying to think of other examples of I mean like It's a Wonderful Life isn't really a Christmas movie even though everyone says it is. I agree with that. Um uh funny little anecdote. Uh I think this kind of sums up my family versus my wife's family. Every Christmas, they watch It's a Wonderful Life. Every Christmas, my family watches Christmas Vacation. So, (laughs) which is a Christmas Uh, movie. Certainly, certainly. So, yeah, I I don't know that I necessarily want to take a side on this, but I lean towards no. You know, I'm with you, Trevor. I think that this is a movie that takes place at Christmas and has Christmas-like things in it. But it is not about Christmas, and Christmas really has no impact on the plot at all. 
So I'm going to say this is not a Christmas movie. There we go. We have decided it. Take heed, all you who participate in popular culture. (laughs) It is not a Christmas movie. It is not. The jury has decided. And I am the judge, jury, and executioner. Boom. Okay. Content of the week, Trevor. What you got? Okay. Uh, I have two things. Um, One is if you want to watch another influential action classic, you should check out the Ong Bak Trilogy. Um, which are Taiwanese movies, I believe, starring the incomparable Tony Jaa, who's a martial arts master. That's Ong Bak, O-N-G hyphen B-A-K. Um, if you're a fan of one-shot takes, then you will also enjoy the Ong Bak movies, especially if in those one-shot takes you see one man uh, use martial arts to beat up 50-plus people. <laughs> um so I highly recommend that. Those used to be on Netflix. I didn't check uh, recently, but but look for that on Bach. The other thing is completely different. I'm going to recommend the new album by Florence and the Machine. Mm. It's called High as Hope. And it is um, a more mature, less dark, less theatrical kind of feel from Florence. Still has the powerful vocals. Still has the nice melodies. Um, a sort of new direction for them. But um, but a good album I've been enjoying lately. Cool, that's awesome. Um, mine is is one thing. It's really quick and it's really random. Uh, it's to go get a library card because I did that today. Uh, I got my local library card, and y'all, the library is awesome. Go to the library. Uh, it is something that is really important, and I think is underutilized in today's world of of digital media um Man, but they have books and movies and yeah. you can use them for free and you just take them back exactly they have like they have a legit blu-ray collection they've got all these old soundtracks and audiobooks i got three awesome marvel graphic novels that i've been meeting to read uh got them for free y'all go to the library and get a library card and guess what it also gives you access to ebooks and e-audiobooks for free. So go get a library card, support your local library, go read books, like actual books, not just watch movies. Books are really important. And at the library, you can do it for free. So that is my recommend this week. Get a library card. Trevor, where can we find you online? Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at TurboTrevor and uh, talking about libraries occasionally. (laughs) Uh, And you can find me at jakebrown.tv. That is both my website and my Instagram. I am now a freelance filmmaker. So if you want to see what I do, go check it out. And you can find our friend Cameron at 321CamiTime on Twitter and on Instagram. If you've enjoyed the show, you can find us at popcornoptional.com. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter at popcornoptional. Uh, we would love to hear any feedback you have, so please make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, a rating. Uh, that really helps with the iTunes algorithms, thingies, and also just uh, share it with a friend. Uh, so yeah, I think that's it for this week. Do, we, do you know what we're doing next week, Trevor? Uh, uh, I believe it's Mission Impossible Fallout. That's right. That's like your favorite. Which is getting rave reviews. Yeah, I, I can't which wait. Which is a little bit surprising, honestly. Can't wait. <laughs> it's going to be a good one. 
Um, so yeah, that's it for this week. In the words of the great Michael Scott, we will be back ASAP as possible. Y'all be good. Bye.